Today we conclude our Psalms for Summer series, and this series has led us through some fantastic Psalms. Uh, if you missed any of the Sundays through July and August, I encourage you to go to eaglemont.church, our website, and listen to the messages you missed. I'm confident that they'll be uh, uh, strength-giving and encouraging for you. Today we look at Psalm 145, a message entitled simply, Greatness. How do you typically use the word greatness? Or uh, to whom do you apply the word greatness? Um, does your teenage daughter come up to you, dad, and say, dad, I, I am in awe of your greatness? Uh, likely not. Uh, if so, you need to write a book and share the secret. Uh, in the business world, the word greatness has been applied to people like uh, Henry Ford and Steve Jobs. Uh, in the animal kingdom, uh, the word greatness, we think right away of the, the majestic male lion with the big mane. Uh, in the world of sports, of course, it's Wayne Gretzky. And I just heard Jason moan. For those that don't know, Jason's a part of our church family and is a a Flames fan, and so you can, you can pray for him. If you love basketball, Michael Jordan, greatness on the court. Um, boxer Muhammad Ali, decades ago. He, he would always be sure to um, make sure everybody knew that he was the greatest of them all, and, and he was great. Well, from God's word this morning, I submit to you that there is only one to whom the term greatness can be uh, justifiably and fully or perfectly applied. It's the God of the Bible, the creator of the universe, our Heavenly Father, those who know him through Jesus Christ. Well, Psalm 145 is the last Psalm of David, and what a great contribution, what a great way to conclude his contribution to the collection of the Psalms with this, this awesome expression of, of praising God's greatness. Listen as Jason reads the scripture for us. Psalm 145, verses one to 12, and verse 21. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty, and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of your glory, of your kingdom, and talk of your power, to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and glorious majesty of his kingdom. Then verse 21. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh 
shall bless his holy name forever and ever. Thanks for reading that, Jason. Uh, This psalm can be summarized very easily. It's a deep expression of praise to God for his unmatched greatness in who he is and what he's done. Think about it. How often do we, as Christ followers, just stop and think about the greatness of God, the greatness of his character, and, and of the great things he does and has done? In a world where our problems uh, seem so big, it's a helpful adjustment to regularly remind ourselves of how great and how big God is, which in turn will help give us God's perspective on our problems. The writer of this psalm, David, uh, shepherd boy turned king, uh, could definitely look back over the years of his life and see much evidence of God's greatness displayed in his character and uh, working in his life over over many years. Here are a few examples. Uh, Way back when David was a shepherd boy, he would see God's greatness and splendor in the created heavens. He wrote about it in a couple of places or or more. Uh, Psalm 19.1 where he said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies uh, proclaim the work of his hands. Imagine young David, the shepherd boy, being out there with his sheep and it's pitch black and the, 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 the sheep are, are sleeping and he's keeping watch and he's looking up at the heavens but he's keeping an eye out for the eyes of the predator in the dark and, and he looks at the clear sky and he's amazed by what he sees and he feels God's power. He sees evidence of it, evidence of an awesome, mighty creator who is his shepherd as he shepherds his father's sheep. It's a neat picture. And then he wrote in Psalm 124, 8, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. In other words, if he can create all of this, then anything is possible. If he can create all of this, these amazing galaxies out of nothing, and he did, then anything is possible in our lives. And that's great news. David uh, rightly connected what he saw in the incredible night sky uh, to the power and greatness of his God. Uh, I mean, what more evidence would we need or do we need that God is great and that he is able to to guide us, to strengthen us, to, uh, to provide for us in every way, every day. And so today, if you're, if you need to be reminded of God's power. Read this psalm and then later in the evening, maybe some night this week, go at midnight out into the country. Take a little field trip into the countryside and get away from the city lights and look up at that clear sky and think of the God who created it and who created you and who cares about you. I'm sure you know it's amazing, that night sky. And let it remind you of God's greatness. And then another example is David also knew God's greatness through uh, his miraculous power, his miraculous uh, protection in his life. Judges 14, 5 to 6, about the young shepherd boy, David, it says, a young lion came roaring against him and the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, upon David, and he tore the lion apart, though he had nothing in his hand. Reminds me of the, the movie, you know, The Ghost in the Darkness, based on a true story of two male lions that were terrorizing uh, a bridge building crew. 
in Africa. And one of the men, one of the African men in the movie, at one point holds up his hands uh, that were the weapons that he had used to kill a lion at some point in the past. And as the story goes, uh, he, he wasn't going to do that with these two uh, crazy lions. But anyway, um, if you haven't seen the movie, you should. Just my opinion. Um, but the Bible attributes David's ability to kill that lion with his bare hands to the Spirit of the Lord that came upon him mightily. God, in his great power, uh, can do that kind of stuff. That's not, that's not made up. And then there's another example. There's a, it's, a, it's a crazy but historical story of the Philistine warrior Goliath, a huge and intimidating opponent threatening God's people. And, and this story in the Old Testament is not a fairy tale. It's a historical recorded event. At the, uh, the time that this went on, David was uh, delivering food to his three brothers who were a part of the, uh, the army of Israel. David was the, the little brother that had uh, the lunch delivery duty, you know. Uh, and he, and he, he did this while the whole Israelite army was frozen in fear because of Goliath. And it, it bothered young David. He, he, as a matter of fact, he got to the place where he couldn't take it anymore. And so he, he went to the king and he pleaded with King Saul that, that he be allowed to go and fight the giant himself, confident that his God, his great God, would deliver him, just as he had delivered him from the, 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 the claws and the jaws of, of, of the lion, and in fact a bear, as uh, uh, we're told in the Old Testament as well. Well, at, at first, of course, King Saul is, no way, you're not doing that, you're too young. And, and not only that, you do know how huge Goliath is. And he's been a warrior since he was young, King Saul, trying to dissuade David from, from this um, mission that he wanted to send himself on. Well, again, David continues to make his case. And, and in 1 Samuel 17, verse 36, he says, Your servant has killed, here, here it is, both the lion and the bear, this uncircumcised Philistine, to him as a Jew, a derogatory term. He just had to throw in that little detail there. But anyway, uh, this, this Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the army of the living God. Okay then. <laughs> verse 37 of 1 Samuel 17, Saul says, go, go then, and, and the Lord be with you. And he's probably thinking, he better be with you because if, if he's not, you're in big trouble. And God used David and what was available in his hand is a little slingshot to nullify um, and, and to take out this evil threat against God's people. What a great example of God's greatness in David's life. And then one more, really briefly, one last example of, of the greatness of God that David was, uh, was well aware of over the years of his life. And it was his, God's greatness uh, displayed through his amazing and forgiving character as he wrote about in Psalm 51. And that was the psalm that we started this uh, Psalms for Summer series, um, first Sunday of July, uh, Psalm 51, a powerful psalm of God's greatness uh, seen through his willingness to forgive us. So David, uh, as was his pattern throughout his life, praised God for his great character, 
As a matter of fact, four times in verses one and two of Psalm 141, we see the words, I will. And these are the I wills as this psalm begins. I will exalt you, my God. I will bless your name forever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever. Praising God, acknowledging his greatness, lifting up his greatness to put my problems in perspective and to give me hope and to give you hope. It's a choice, I will, David said. And then David also praised God for his great works. Uh, In verses four through to verse 20 of this Psalm, we we see some examples. Let's touch on a few of these verses. Verse four says, as you heard Jason read, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall deliver your mighty acts, or sorry, and, and shall declare your mighty acts, declare your mighty acts. One generation to another, it says. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a follower of Jesus, I ask you a very serious question, and I'm challenged by this myself and have been throughout my life at different times. Who is it that you're influencing in the younger generation by living your life as a vibrant and faith-filled Jesus follower? What, What younger person in your life is seeing you live out your love for God and love for people? What younger person is there in your life who gets to see uh, your desire for God's word and your confidence in God as you pray? Who's watching you? Who are you living the Christ life in front of who is younger than you? What young person is hearing you give thanks to God for his character and his miraculous provision for you? That's the that's the primary way uh, this, this Christian faith is, is passed down through modeling it to the younger generation. And then almost every verse after verse four in this Psalm refers to some aspect of God's works. Uh, let's look at a few. Verse five, I will meditate on your wondrous works. Again, my friends, I, I encourage you to take time regularly to stop and reflect, uh, to, to, to contemplate, to think about, to ponder the, the greatness of God. Uh, um, that builds faith. That gives fodder for us to share with others, which is exactly what we see happening in the very next verse, verse six, the last part of verse six, I will declare your greatness. Because you're so great, God, I want others to know about you and I want others to know you. And so I'm gonna declare your greatness in their hearing. What an awesome thing. In verse eight, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. I mean, that's not typically uh, how people perceive God, especially in the Old Testament. But you know what? They're misinformed, people are. If If they think that God is not those things, he is merciful, he is compassionate. And David definitely knew that and he wrote about it here. And then the first part of verse 10, all your, all your works shall praise you. All the works of God, the amazing things he's done, point to him and help to exalt him. In other words, uh, the, the good things God does directs people's attention to him. God is very creative in how he shows his power. And the stories, the stories I've heard and seen and, and, and read over the years are so varied, but, but so often uh, 
significant and inspiring evidence of God's greatness in his character and his power. And uh, some of you have your own stories and you have your own illustrations of, of this very thing in your life, which is awesome. Uh, as I prepared this message, a very cool story came to my mind, uh, one that I heard uh, about 35 years ago, actually, this past July. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm that old. By phone, I, as I thought of this story, I got a hold of, a, of the man who told me this story. His name, uh, Dr. Higgins, was living in central Alberta. I was able to uh, contact him. The last time I talked to him, was uh, in the summer of 1985. I was a 21-year-old kid on a short-term missions trip in a place called Majimoto in Kenya. At the time, uh, Dr. Higgins was working as a veterinarian uh, missionary with the uh, PAOC, our, our Pentecostal Fellowship around the world, and uh, he was working there among the Maasai people and, and their cattle. Uh, he and his wife, uh, and their young daughter that they had. Uh, they hosted our missions team that went there to share Jesus and to, and to distribute food, corn and beans, among the Maasai people of that region. And as I, as I mentioned a moment ago, I remembered this story as I was working on this message, but it was such a long time ago, I, I wanted to confirm the details, and so fortunately I was able to track down Dr. Higgins. Early in uh, his time in Majimoto, in, in, early in Dr. Higgins' time in, in this place, uh, Majimoto, which means hot water. There's a, there's a spring of, of hot water that comes up, and, and in that region, it's used for, for everything. Uh, it's an important resource, of course. Uh, but as he was establishing the gospel work and, and wanting to establish a reputation as a trusted Christian missionary in that region, some old Maasai men came to his door, to the door of his very small house, along with a young Maasai boy who, was, uh, who spoke English and was the interpreter. And through that young interpreter, uh, the men told Dr. Higgins that they needed his help. They had a cow uh, that was close to death. And, I mean, cattle were their livelihood, uh, uh, their sustenance, and so this is a very, uh, very serious situation. They all piled into Dr. Higgins' vehicle and they, uh, they rushed to their village where the cow was lying down. Uh, skin and bone, Dr. Higgins said, so weak that that cow could not even lift its head. Dr. Higgins uh, shortly later diagnosed East Coast fever for which there was no treatment. He didn't tell the, the Maasai men that at the time. These men stood back watching Dr. Higgins and talking among themselves. Um, suddenly, the, the young interpreter came to Dr. Higgins and said, Do you know what these men are saying? Having not learned the language yet, Dr. Higgins said, No, I, I don't. The young interpreter uh, kind of ratted out the, the Maasai men and he said, they're, they're saying things like, We'll see if this young uh, whippersnapper is what Dr. Higgins said to me, however they say that in the, the Maasai language. Uh, we'll see if this upstart missionary can help and do anything to help our cow. Uh, they were skeptical. It, it was almost Dr. Higgins at that moment felt like this, this, is a, this is a test. And so Dr. Higgins, in an effort to show he was doing something, gave the cow a needle. He told 
me that the Maasai would often ask for a needle because it showed some action uh, was being taken. And so Dr. Higgins gave the cow a shot of something that he knew wouldn't, uh, wouldn't help. And after doing all he could, headed back in his vehicle to his home and there was nothing more he could do. But as he was driving back uh, to, his, to his little house, driving alone, he, he knew that God absolutely needed to intervene if that cow was to get well. And he talked to God and he said, as he was driving, praying, talking to God, he said, well, Lord, I believe that you brought me here to Kenya for, for a reason. And so, right now, there seems to be a, a lot riding on this cow as he continued to pray for its recovery. Well, Dr. Higgins said that the next morning as he arrived back in the village, his faith was weak because he said he was actually looking for that black cow hide that would have been out drying in the sun to be used for other purposes after the cow had died. That's, that's what he was expecting to see. When he walked into the village, he didn't see that. And so through the interpreter, he, he said, kind of nonchalantly asked, how's that black cow doing? Huh. Well, they said, well, she's better. She actually, she actually is up and gone trekking for the day with the rest of the, of the herd already. And of course, they were amazed. You see, they would take their cattle out all day long to find food, to find water, covering many kilometers, actually. So Dr. Higgins was amazed that they had allowed this cow to go along. Who The, the cow whom the night before was, was virtually dead already and uh, was already up and, and out with the rest of the herd which in the natural, of course, amazed that veterinarian missionary. And yet Dr. Higgins also knew that his God was a God of great power and grace. As a matter of fact, that truth was, was why he was serving Christ and, and, and the gospel on the other side of the world to tell others who'd never, ever heard the good news of Jesus. One of the last things that Dr. Higgins said to me on the phone uh, a few weeks ago was that the miraculous recovery of the cow <laughs> opened up the missionary work for him among the Maasai people in that region at that time. Pretty cool. The, the healing of a cow opening the door for the gospel. You gotta love it. Only a great and creative God could think of that. So great. Let me read verses 11 and 12 as we conclude. It says, they shall speak, those who know and love God, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. We've got much to share if we truly know God. We do. And so today, in response to this message and in application moving forward, I'm, I'm simply asking you to stop and to ponder God's greatness and, and 
to make a commitment to practice uh, regularly the, the, the discipline, uh, the habit that hopefully it will become of just stopping, pausing, ceasing the activity of your mind, accept the thoughts that remind you of God's greatness in his character and his deeds and mighty acts and gracious expressions to you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to commit to at least a five-minute window, maybe five to ten-minute window, sometime today, after listening to this message, at some point today, to find that brief time frame, to, to open up this, uh, this psalm again, Psalm 145, and, and read it again and begin to just think about and maybe journal, take note of the things, write down the aspects of God's character that you're so grateful for, the things that you've seen him do, the things you're thankful for that he has allowed and or provided in your life to stop and to reflect on the greatness of God in who he is and what he's done. What a great habit. Do that today, I encourage you. David concludes where he started with a personal commitment in verse 21 by simply saying, my mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. And then he expresses his hope and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. He wants everyone to know about his great God. And so do I. And if you don't know the God of the Bible in a personal way, today can be your day when you're introduced to him and come into relationship with him. Have you ever surrendered your life to God who, who created you and loves you most and knows you best? I want to tell you with all confidence that a personal and eternal relationship with God, your creator, is available through Jesus Christ, made available through the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where he took upon himself the penalty for our sin and erased it if we'll receive that gift of forgiveness. And we can come into, as I said, a, a, a personal and eternal relationship as we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, that kind of relationship with him. Jesus died so that I could live with my creator forever, starting today. And that gift is what he offers you as well. If you wanna reach out to Jesus Christ today and say, I want you to be the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life, Pray a prayer like this. It's not about these words. God knows your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus. And Jesus, I thank you that you willingly came to step in for me, to take upon yourself the penalty of my sin, for my sin. I thank you for that. Thank you that you rose from the dead, according to scripture, so that I could know life that your resurrection proves your power over sin and death in my life, over eternally being eternally separated from my creator. Thank you that your death and resurrection bridges that gap and I walk across that bridge into the arms and into the relationship that is there for me with my creator. In Jesus' name, I thank you. I turn from my sin and I want to follow you. Please be the forgiver 
of my sin and the leader of my life, I humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I, I would be so excited to hear about that. And you can uh, let us know by texting Jesus. Text the, the word, the name, Jesus, to the number that you see on the screen. And we'd be happy just to uh, touch base with you and uh, uh, explore any way that we, we can help you uh, establish and, and grow in this uh, new relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for taking time today to be together. <music>